0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. I am your host, Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin, and I am joined today for part two of our collaborative Falcons 2023 mock draft with Will McFadden at Will McFadden on the Twitter's fellow Believe Network podcast. Host, host of the Believe in Falcons show, another excellent program for all of you that I'm sure are just looking for probably any Falcons content you can, especially this week before the draft. <laughs> Everyone gets very ravenous, but uh, Will, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing well, man. I'm excited that you and I are uh, teaming up to finally take down Aaron Freeman. Um, he has just dominated the airwaves for far too long, so look out, Aaron. Uh, we're we're coming for it now. I'm just kidding. We're coming, uh, Aaron. Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing I'm doing well, but uh, I've just been rewatching draft day over and over and over again for the past uh, two weeks, uh, really preparing for Thursday night. So I'm excited that it's finally uh, almost here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know that that movie is a very realistic portrayal of the NFL draft. Uh, so I, I definitely uh, would recommend that to anyone uh, if you're looking for a real insider look into an NFL war room. Uh, so basically a documentary, <laughs> uh, I'd say uh, basically so. Yeah, no, I I'm excited. Today, last uh last time we did uh drafting with our hearts, we got some really interesting takes, some interesting players in that one. Uh, this time we're gonna be drafting with our heads, so going probably a little more chalky, a little bit more uh I wouldn't say boring, cause this is gonna be a very entertaining, exciting show, but probably not as many random names thrown out uh, as last time. Uh, and we will uh, get right to that before we do. Want to bring you a message from today's sponsor, BetOnline.ag, your number one source for all your sports betting needs, including info, stats, news, and scores. You can get the latest odds and lines for this year's NBA playoffs. Uh, you can also place bets on the Falcons to win the NFC South right now. Uh, if you're feeling extremely confident in Atlanta, uh, you can also, you know, bet on the NFC Championship. I would probably advise, you know, not to do that, but hey. If you're a Falcons fan, you're already used to bitter disappointment, so that should be no different, right? Uh, Bet Online is always your sports information headquarters this season. They have you covered for all your sports wagering needs basketball, MLB, NHL, hockey, right to UFC, and boxing. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code BLEAV to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And speaking of starts... Let's start this mock draft. How about that for a seg? You know, you think I've been doing these reads forever. Right? <laughs> well, I will. I will give you the honors first. Uh, where Where do you see the Falcons going with with our heads? Uh, where Where do you see them landing at eight or elsewhere in the first round? I guess if you're anticipating a trade, but uh, where do you Where do you what, How do you see it right now?
0: Yeah, I think in a lot of ways, as I was preparing for this, uh, heads is is harder than hearts, right? It's it. You take into so many factors, and that's what makes the draft so difficult to project, let alone even conduct. I do think that there's a a growing chance that the Falcons do move back. But of course, that depends a lot on what happens in the first seven picks and kind of like what is the market like there at number eight. So for the purposes of this, I'm not going to do any trades, uh, even though I think that there is a decent chance that the Falcons are involved in a trade um, of some kind either moving back in the first round or potentially bumping, you know, maybe up a little bit to come back into the first round. Like if, if somebody falls, but I could see them being active. So if they're going to sit at number eight in our hard draft, I went with Tyree Wilson and that was some ways a head pick as well. I could very easily make the argument here that that would be a a good pick if he's there, but I'm going to say Devin Witherspoon. Um, And I know a lot of people, want are Christian Gonzalez or Witherspoon. Like that's that's the the comparison there, right? I think there's a better chance Christian Gonzalez is gone by eight. And personally I just like Witherspoon a little bit more as a player. I like the physicality that he brings to the position. I like the mindset that he has. Um you know he really is that type of I think asset to the overall culture and identity of your defense because he brings an like a edge setting tone. Like he really will come out there and and be Physical from the secondary, which is something that I think the Falcons really lacked last year. So if we're going with our heads, I think it makes a lot of sense to continue to invest young in this secondary and really make that a position of strength because it would easily become one if you add uh, either cornerback to this group. And for a pass rush where your most proven established guys are a little bit older, your Calais Campbell's, your... You know Lorenzo Carter, Bud Dupree, like those are are your veteran presences. Give them an extra second or two by really beefing up the the back end, and then I think they're going to get home. So for that reason, I think it makes a lot of sense um, either corner here, but I like Witherspoon personally, so that's who I'm going with.
1: Yeah, I think I think Witherspoon deserves more pop at eight. Like I, I think he's someone that hasn't really been discussed enough um, because Christian Gonzalez. It's sort of an open question whether he'll even be available. Uh, You know, with the Lions trading Jeff Okuda probably makes them a little more likely to take a a cornerback at six. You know, it's not a guarantee, but it could happen. And I think Christian Gonzalez is the more likely cornerback to go early because of all the things we've already mentioned, right? His prototypical size, the outstanding athletic profile that he has, more of a high ceiling player. Witherspoon is just a ready-made starter. I think he's an elite cornerback, too, who can probably give you some quarterback one games against... Certain types of receivers, he's not the guy you want lined up on Mike Evans. Or maybe he is, because he's that nasty. He wouldn't be intimidated by Mike Evans. But, um, you know, just it's not it's not that the size is bad with Witherspoon. It's just average. Um, you know, you look at him next to Christian Gonzalez with his vine-length vine, vine length arms and 6'2", 200, and it's like, okay, I can see why people might want this guy. But Witherspoon is not small. Some people were like, oh, does he need to move to the slot? No, no, he doesn't need to move to the slot. That's ridiculous. Like... <laughs> He's like basically six foot and like one eighty something. So it's he's not small. we're not talking about Emmanuel Forbes the needle here, okay? Um, so <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> so it's I do like that one. That that's that's a good one. I think that's one that people should probably pay a little bit more attention to. Um, and what about you? Yeah, I think. We had a really good discussion on Wednesday's Falcoholic Live uh, with Dave Cho and Aaron Freeman. Plug that show, by the way, uh, definitely a good <laughs> listen. Uh, where we tackled some draft rumors, we tackled our bold predictions, um, and Aaron Freeman's uh, sort of thoughts on pick eight were offensive line, um, and that is one that I've started to qu- sort of warm up to a little bit. Um, it's one that we I haven't have we haven't really heard any buzz about. Uh, they they met multiple times with Peter Skaronsky. Uh, they've met with Broderick Jones. They haven't met with Paris Johnson, which I find odd, but um I think this is this is a spot where we could see Peter Skaronsky come off the board as which I think would surprise a lot of fans. And especially after we've hyped up, you know, Bijan Robinson at eight, like as this really sexy pick, Peter Skaronsky probably would be a little bit of like uh little bit of a buzzkill for some fans. But look, I think you look at Skaronsky and you see probably a Pro Bowl caliber offensive lineman on tape and then you see the arm length it's low 32s and that's well below tackle thresholds I just don't really think that he's got a long-term profile as an NFL tackle but as an NFL Mm -hmm. guard there's really no reason he can't be a perennial Pro Bowler I mean he's got the outstanding athleticism technically he's the cleanest prospect I've maybe seen in, in multiple seasons in terms of his technique on the on the outside and obviously moving him back inside, which is where he was originally recruited to Northwestern. Um, it'll maybe take a little bit of time. Obviously he's played the left side. So the left guard move, he's not having to switch up the footwork as well as the inside outside technique there, but, um, Mm -hmm. he's such a smart player. I would be shocked if he hadn't already been cross trained at guard, just in case he needed to, to play it in a pinch, especially early in his college career. Um, and I, I don't think he's going to have any trouble moving over there. We know the Falcons really like those tackle converts at guard. I mean, you look at Jalen Mayfield, their first offensive line selection was a tackle convert. Um, and you look at Elijah Wilkinson, a guy that came into the league playing a lot of tackle. Falcons played him almost entirely at guard. He had played some guard in the NFL prior to that, obviously. But um, they do not they do not shy away from converting tackles to guards. And I, I think this could be the latest example. Um, and I mm-hmm. think there's... There's an easy scenario where he, you could have Skaronsky as your highest player at day. Like he is, I think the consensus number one offensive lineman. If you're looking at just overall offensive line, if you're looking at just tackle, it's probably Paris Johnson. And in the past, I've been a little bit of a bigger proponent of Paris Johnson as a result. Um, but I think if you're looking for a day one, like plug and play starter, and it's not Bijan that you're, that you're choosing, then I think Skoronsky might be the best bet to, to, to achieve that.
0: Yes, I completely agree. He's the other name that I have written down um, as I was thinking about this. So I'm really glad that you brought him up because I get yeah. to talk about both. Um, Teamwork. Yeah. I think, I think I am very much uh, sharing a, a mind with Aaron, where my antenna goes up, where I'm like, who who have we not talked about? Because throughout the draft process, you talk about everybody. You talk about everybody, especially when you have a top ten pick. Like seemingly every scenario goes through your head and it's been awfully quiet on the Peter Skoronsky front. And so that immediately is kind of like a red flag to me when we're this close to the draft. And we haven't at least had a a two week cycle sitting here doing like two shows talking about Peter Skoronsky seriously. That makes me a little more suspicious. And you look at how do the Falcons get appreciably better with this pick? Because my pick, Devin Witherspoon, you know, he probably is not a day one starter given the assets that the Falcons have already accumulated in the secondary or he is, but then that makes us feel a little bit worse about Jeff Okuda or it makes us feel a little bit worse about Casey Hayward or what, you know, it's like not everybody can share the field at the same time. If you draft essentially your left guard, that's, that's cool. Like he should be better than, than Wilkinson, even though that was not uh, an issue for me at all last year. But the Falcons know the value of great guard play. They just showed you by investing in Chris Lindstrom with the biggest contract ever given to a, a guard. So I think that the positional value thing of people saying, we don't draft a guard in the top 10, who cares? If you can get a Pro Bowl starter for the next decade, like then I'll take two of them because you'll have Chris Lindstrom and you'll have Peter Skaronsky. So I think from that sense, if the Falcons find a way to actually upgrade their run game and kind of their pass protection for a rookie quarterback all in one move, then that is a a at least a a double a triple a home run kind of in in the first round, even though it may not be exciting or the upside may not be like, oh, a twelve sack rookie season is that on the table for Tyree Wilson? It's like no, if he starts all sixteen games or seventeen games now and they they average a hundred and seventy five yards on the ground, then awesome. That's a an a plus pick in my book,
1: yeah, no, i I think that makes a lot of sense. It- People really underrate just getting good players in general. It's Everyone gets caught up in this, like, well, is it a good value? What's what's the value? Where was he on the board and all this? And everyone forgets that every single NFL team has these players stacked differently. If you're evaluating value through the lens of what the media thinks, that's a good place to start. It's the only information we have, so it's not like it's terrible to do that, but you're... If they took that guy at that spot, it was not bad value on their draft board. They have an entire scouting department stacking these players. Like, um, so they may be wrong. I mean, scouting is inherently subjective. So yeah, of course they could be wrong, but... Um, getting all caught up in that, I think is sort of a fool's errand to some extent. You know, I think there are certainly some analytics driven reasons why like running back in, in the first round, isn't the best, you know, return on investment in terms of surplus value and cap savings and all these things. And like, none of those things are are wrong, but Mm -hmm. I think we, 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 when we sort of reduce it to that, instead of looking at like, well, did you get a good player or did you draft a bust? Because about 50% of the time you're going to get a bust uh, even in the right. first round. Um, So I think it's really underrated. It's like, if you have a guy at a non-traditional position of of value, like guard or running back or whatever, and you think this is like, this is one of the best players in this class. We're very confident in this guy being a starter and maybe, you know, 75% yeah. confident in him being a pro bowler. Maybe you should just take that guy and get get the double, you know, and stop trying to hit a home run every time Um, and stop trying to make everybody happy with these analytics and just get a good player. And, I, and it's really underrated that if you just draft good players at every spot, even if they're not premium positions, your team's going to be a lot better off than if you were trying to maximize your needs or that va- or this, you know, perception of positional value uh, at, at any particular yeah. spot.
0: Got figure it out. Get good players on your team and then figure it out. Like there's hundreds of years of coaching history to rely on and you can make it work. If you have three good tight ends on your team, or if you have five excellent wide receivers, like we don't all have to play the exact same style of football. There's not just one way to win. I think the Falcons last year showed that like, there are multiple ways to have success if you're creative enough and you have a big enough, you know, golf bag where you can just pull clubs out left and right and you've got guys who execute on it because you value the versatility part of their game yeah there's a lot of ways to do this so just get good guys on your roster and then figure it out and also outside of of jeff okuda who injury reasons and just where he was drafted like young players usually maintain their value and they are still usually like if you have too many young corners who and there's just not enough playing time to go around and you think that Hey, by trading one of them, we could get somebody who could immediately help our team back or a high draft pick or something. Like, I don't think it's a bad thing to have really just quality young players. Even if there's a little bit of a log jam at a position, you can make that work. And I'd also rather just have that asset.
1: Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, we're definitely on the same page there. All right, moving on to the second round. Uh, lots of options here, of course. We had some really spicy ones in in the heart mock so definitely check that out guys if you want some some <laughs> spicier takes there but uh what what are you thinking with your head here uh, in the second round
0: what i learned in the hearts mock was that uh i was drafting just dudes who were basically like first round grades in the fourth <laughs> round so um <laughs> i'm gonna
1: hey, gonna know. try
0: to stay away it was from, spicy
1: it was uh, spicy yeah
0: It was, right, exactly, which is why I'm going to draft Will Anderson here in the second (laughs) round. What a God,
1: (laughs) A-plus PFF grade right there. I will um,
0: uh, draft (laughs) a pass rusher uh, of the same name and also uh, my name, and that's going to be Will McDonald. Um, I like what he brings kind of athletically upside. Um, I think that the limitations, some of the – that he's like – I think really there, if you want the freakish type of like long athletic, this dude's just a shadow monster coming off of the edge type of player, the refinement in the game, I think can still use some, some development uh, and becoming that kind of more complete and polished poolsy pass rusher. But I love just starting with athleticism and I love kind of the motor that he brings. He's, smaller than, than a Tyree Wilson, but I kind of like both of their mentality of just like attack, 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 attack. We're going. Um, And he's, he's got great production, I think throughout his career. So that in the second round, I think you're getting a guy who now with heavy Katie, and that's kind of where they've liked to start taking some of their, their pass rushers is more on that day two side. uh, And then kind of go with some of these traits combined with a little bit of production, Uh, And to me, that is that's Will McDonald. You pair him with this young, but also veteran, old, but long, but quick. Like, it's just a mismatch of different dudes. And he's something that they don't have. And again, I bet on his athletic upside uh, for the future. So he's somebody that you would hope to develop into a serious one a dude at some point in the future.
1: Yeah, I love Will McDonald. Uh, one of the more impressive players at the Senior Bowl. Uh, guy that I thought was just really impressive. Um, and someone who's definitely been getting some first round buzz. But I think, I do think he has like a legitimate shot to make it to forty four. Will. Uh, so I, I don't yeah. think this is you know like <laughs> some, no, some it's crazy take. No, not. This is take. not. A reach. Yeah, no. This is not a reach. Um, so I I do think that that was one to monitor, and it's sort of interesting because typically you know you look at new orleans this is not the type of edge rusher that the saints would bring in right arnold epicati d'angelo malone will mcdonald like the lorenzo carter even like these are not saints edge rushers so it it appears Mm -hmm. that nielsen is is going in a different direction with in atlanta probably in part because that's who's here right now but maybe he's a little bit more creative maybe he wasn't necessarily married to the we need to play a strict four three with two big ends and that sort of thing approach. And, and I
0: think Arthur Smith wants this versatility.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think it's cool. Um, and I, I think Will McDonald makes a lot of sense as and and you just you add that and all of a sudden this is a really deep. Now maybe it, it doesn't have the star power, but it's really deep with just good pass rushers. Yeah. Like I mean, Bud Dupree is probably coming off the bench like to be your third or fourth <laughs> pass rusher. And like, you know, can you trust Dupree to stay healthy? Like I don't know. Um, his injuries have been kind of fluky and I feel bad for him. So, uh, it, he's not getting paid a ton of money, but like Bud Dupree, as you're like third or fourth pass rusher, this man was making like 15 million a year last year. So, yeah. um, you know, I, this is a really deep group. They're going to be able to send an onslaught of guys, uh, just, and most of them are great athletes or big. Uh, so, I mean, this is very much a change from, you know, we're calling up practice squad level guys to go out there and rush the passer it's like no no there's no let up like no matter who's out there the Falcons are gonna have some dudes and I think adding a guy like Will McDonald uh makes a lot of sense also uh shout out to the NFL stock Exchange podcast they did uh like a three round mock um earlier this week and they they did a, a will mock for the Texans so they did Whaley Anderson at two. Uh, will Levis at twelve, and then Will McDonald <laughs> in the second. Oh round. wow! It's the Will to win wow. is what they labeled it. So they did the All Wills edition there. So that that was that was a good one, guys. Great job there. Uh, that is a good one. It. Good work, um, Trevor. So here, it's it. If you listen to the the live show, uh, this one will sound familiar. But this is one that I'm sort of really zeroing in on in the second round, and I think it's going to be a safety. But I don't think it's just going to be a, a random safety. I think it's going to be a big nickel type of safety um and i think first of all brian brian branch if he falls into the second round i believe they will trade up for brian branch um or at least try doesn't mean that it's gonna happen but i think they will make it Mm -hmm. an attempt to get him i don't think he gets past jacksonville at 24 um personally but if he does for some reason then i think they will make an attempt to go get him um if they don't get him, I think they have another guy they really like, and that's Sidney Brown from Illinois. Um, and I, I, I really like Sidney Brown again. Senior Bowl standout. We know they really care about that, like almost to maybe an obs- obsessive degree, right? They have like eleven players from the past two drafts uh, from the Senior Bowl in Atlanta, which is like most of the players they took. Um, they really <laughs> care about the Senior Bowl. They they really value that event. And Sidney Brown's that's- just really good. He's a physical safety. I think if you look at their room right now, Jesse Bates is obviously physical enough. I wouldn't call him like a thumper, but like he's plenty physical. Same thing with Richie Grant, you know, Jalen Hawkins all check that box, but Sidney Brown is definitely more of that. Like enforcer. He's played a lot in the slot. Um, He's just really versatile. He could do a lot of things. I mean, I think this could be their, their CJ Gardner, Johnson, (laughs) CJ, GJ, right. Yeah. Um, And uh, I I think they would, I think they really like Sidney Brown. They've had, they, they visited with him at the Senior Bowl. They've had him in for visits. I think he's pretty likely to be there at 44, and I think this is one that that after the akuda trade, I think this pushes the safety into that spot that we typically have taken a corner on day two. So that that's where I'm sort of landing now.
0: Yeah, and this is something we talked uh, a lot about on the Hearts one as well. When you get into, you know, even day two, right? Like special teams value, and I think Sidney Brown would be a huge asset on special teams, uh, probably a core special teams guy. And this, like if this was still a a DQ defense, he'd make sense as well. Like he is just, he looks like an action figure. He plays with his hair on fire. Um, I do still worry sometimes about like the, making the tackle every single time. But if if you're playing much closer to the line of scrimmage and you have somebody who is as instinctive and, and sure thing as a Jesse Bates behind you, maybe that's, something you're willing to take a little bit of a hit on for all of the other positives that he brings he he does add a lot of urgency I think to the defense which sometimes has been a little like a step slow in in my opinion sometimes in reacting the way that uh, a situation calls for so yeah I I really like this I definitely think he'll be there in like where they're picking at, at 44 I think that You know, there's a case that maybe they could trade back a little bit there and and pick up another another between that kind of like the gap between the the fourth, seventh uh, round. So, like, I'm always I hate day three picks. So, like, I'm sure they don't want to do that.
1: Get the seventh out of here being the case as well. Yeah, they've never made a seventh round pick so far. So let's keep it going, (laughs) guys, Uh, for for my sake, please. Uh, (laughs) Maybe we'll see if he comes on the live show, yes. (laughs) Nobody wants that. Nobody needs that, okay? Uh, You know, after four or five hours of takes, you know, the mind is willing, but the body, you know, it's not. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) For sure. Yes, moving on to pick 75 in the third round. This one's very interesting, because when you get this far down, you could go so many directions with it. So I'm curious to to where you're you're thinking they, they land
0: here. So and I think we kind of followed this suit um, in the, in the hearts one as well. So I like the heart and head are are pretty connected, Kevin, you know this, but I, I'm definitely looking at wide receiver uh, at, at this position. And this is where I'm trying to decide between, you know, like the, the Cedric Tillman, if he somehow drops a little bit because of, of some of the explosiveness concerns and, and things like that, he could be there and that would be really enticing to me. But the more I think about it, I'm looking at the more of the gadget guys. The like Swiss Army knife can do multiple things. You can run reverses with them. You can get them involved in screens. You can be creative uh, because I think the Falcons could use. Really, they could use a burner, but you also can only have speed that your quarterback can utilize. And I don't know if Desmond Ritter would pair well with like a Jalen Waddle. Tyreek Hill, just like we're going deep every single, even though those guys, I know it's the short speed and then they convert for big explosive plays after the catch. Bad example, but you get what I'm saying. So I think what's better for this offense is get the ball in the hands of somebody quickly and let them create after the catch. And we talked about one of them, Jaden Reed uh, in our hearts podcast but I'm going to go with Jonathan Mingo here. And I think that he'll be there uh, early in that third round, even though I'm, I know he's getting some buzz uh, currently. <laughs> First round. Like, yeah. yeah, but I don't see that. And I don't no, think the no. league sees that either. No. So I do think that in the third round, he is still developing in a lot of ways. And I, I think he compares pretty favorably to like a Traylon Burks uh, in some ways. Mm-hmm. And we saw that he was kind of experimentative during his rookie season as well in Tennessee, but I don't know. I trust Arthur Smith to use a guy like this a little more creatively. And there were games where Traylon Burks was like, holy crap, man, this guy like can be effective at this level if he's more consistent. And I I just like that dynamic, different type of athleticism. And in a lot of ways, it's what Cordero Patterson has brought in his best games to this offense. Just that kind of like. Don't let this guy get to his second gear because when you do, it's going to cause a lot of trouble for this defense as they try to scramble to keep up and he's making cuts kind of at that speed as well. That's what I see in, in Mingo. So if he is there in the third round, and again, there's a chance that he's he's gone kind of late second or whatever. But for the purposes of this, I'm looking at receiver. I think he can make a case for Jaden Reed, but because we did that in the hearts when I wanted to go a little bit different here and I'm going to say Jonathan Mingo as that type of just, all around gadget player that the Falcons probably would be wise to add to their offense, even though they have somebody similar in Patterson, they just, again, won't have him forever. So get somebody else and get them involved.
1: Yeah, no, I think, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and to be fair, like I do think Jonathan Mingo at 75 is the most likely pick to happen. Like I, I, I think if he's there, we should probably expect that to be the pick. Um, you know, I think Marvin Mims, if he were to fall, obviously would interest them um, mm-hmm. as more of a a speedier like guy. But, um, yeah, I, I think Jonathan Bingo just makes way too much sense uh, for them in that in that spot. And uh, I would be surprised if they passed if he was there at 75. <laughs> no, no question. Um, yeah, I mean, so honestly, that's that's where I would go too. But in the interest of, of providing some some different takes here. All um, right,
0: we have the same pick. What's up? Yeah, yeah, Jonathan Bingo,
1: <laughs> pick 75, yeah. Um, like, I think linebacker is maybe a little bit uh, underrated, especially in this third-round spot. I think frequently we see the, see it in the fourth round in these mocks, but I think there's a couple guys here that I would uh, keep an eye on. Um, Jack Campbell sometimes falls in mocks. I don't get yep. it. I don't get it at all. But if he's there, I had him absolutely for the yeah. second
0: round. So, yeah. but if he's yeah. there third, I'd love it.
1: Sometimes they just fall. It's a beca- off-ball linebacker. It just is what it is. Like teams just don't always prioritize that position. Um, so, uh, I think Trenton Simpson will not fall because he's just too athletic. But and Jack Campbell is a great athlete too. I mean, he didn't run like the four fours that Trenton Simpson did, but his overall athleticism was just crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but. The guy that I, I keep coming back to as a guy that I think they would really like uh, is DeMarvion Overshown, um from Texas. And again, a, a guy that can sort of in some ways fill that that big nickel role as a former safety. But instead, whereas Sidney Brown is probably more your big nickel guy against slot receivers and running backs out of the backfield. Overshone mm-hmm. is your tight end eraser. This guy is 6'4". I mean, vines for arms, uh, former safety, really fluid, really smart coverage player, only 225 pounds. So like he, he's a small linebacker. You probably want to get him up into the two thirties if possible, but really, really good special teamer, um, love his coverage. And that's really what they're lacking in the linebacker group right now is a coverage guy because, you know, Kate Nellis is fine in coverage. We've talked about this. Troy Anderson should be better in coverage. Um, please don't make him play so much zone if he's not ready for that. Uh, but like, you know, Michael Walker has at times been a decent coverage player, but they don't really have that coverage specialist anymore. And I think Overshone can do that.
0: Yeah, I think, I think you could make the case that Walker may be their best coverage linebacker right now, even though yeah. the upside for, for Troy Anderson is, is there because of the athletic gifts. It's more just, he's got to kind of put it, put it all yeah. together. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I agree, and I, I think there's also that run and hit element to Overshone's game. So you you would hope that he could project to being able to stay on the field. Ironically, you know, more in the run game, like the side to side, sideline to sideline tackling ability is is also there. So as he comes in in these downs, where yeah, you use him as an asset uh, as as a coverage player, but also let's say you're deciding to send Caden Ellis on a blitz or something like that. And you need him to quickly be able to diagnose a changing run uh, lane. Like I worry about that aspect of his game early on because I think that the, the instincts, the desire is there with him, but the kind of just see it all as it's happening. And uh, in a lot of ways kind of anticipate and predict it. That's going to be a problem for a lot of rookie linebackers. Right. So like if, if he's a tick behind early, I think that that's something you live with because it's something you can develop but to your point, his athletic gifts and his coverage ability and just adding to a linebacker core that is missing a player like that, even though you could argue they didn't really have that guy last year. I mean, Rashawn Evans wasn't, uh, you know, he was more of a liability than an asset, certainly in in coverage and Overshone would be an upgrade in that area. So for that reason, like I'm, I'm all for it, because I think that having more linebackers who can kind of worry about the middle of the field instead of your safeties, always being the one to, to worry about the middle of the field is, uh, only going to be beneficial to this defense.
1: No, I, I absolutely agree. And I think like they, they need that. This is another position group linebacker where they added Caden Ellis, um, and they added sort of a special teams guy in Tay Davis, but they haven't made many other additions. Um, they didn't so far. They haven't brought back Rashawn Evans. Um, so they, I think they're still Rashawn Evans is probably on speed dial. It's like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Like we're going to see if we, if we, you know, Evans, you understand, like if we, if there's a guy we love in the draft, we're going to take him. We don't want to bring you in if we're going to waste your time. Right. But, and again, we'll get, a special we'll team, you, you know, yeah. And it's like, we'll call you after the draft. If, if we don't get our guy, uh because we we'd still like to have you back if possible and then you know <laughs> and then they can just go into the draft and and see what happens um so I, I think they they might be comfortable waiting to see if a guy they like falls into this range um mm-hmm. because i i think it's a spot that they still need to add to uh for sure so Let's move on to the the first pick of the fourth round, and really we could, you know, it's three spots apart, so pretty much the same. But we'll we'll go. <laughs> you can just give me the guy you have, you know, higher or your higher priority uh, with the first pick in the fourth round.
0: Yeah. Um. So this this is another guy who, for a lot of the reasons that you went with Skaronski, uh, and I I mentioned him in in the hard draft as well. But Jordan McFadden out of Clemson, if he's there in the fourth, uh, in the early, feel like he's the guy I would prioritize first. I think that the leadership that he showed at Clemson being a team captain. I think that he's another person who obviously has some of the the size of a tackle and certainly the, the length um, of, of a tackle, but you kind of bump him inside and make him a guard. And then the upside is there. You're hoping that the longevity is going to be there. He's, you know, I think got some of the standard issues of like a tackle that would go in the fourth round, right? He sometimes is going to overset and lose his balance and can be, beaten back on the inside, but you mitigate a lot of that by moving him inside. You allow him to work next to somebody in Jake Matthews who, you know, they should immediately be speaking the same language um, from playing the same position for so long. There is that Clemson connection. So I I think you continue to take guys from a program that has proven they can develop players, you know, uh, in the right way for a life in the NFL. And you certainly have a great one in Grady Jarrett. So for a lot of those reasons, if Jordan McFadden is, there in the fourth round, and and perhaps he goes higher if that run on offensive lineman happens, kind of near the end of of day two. I could see see him kind of getting swept up in that uh, because I think that he is a, a player for all of the reasons I just mentioned that NFL teams maybe a little bit higher on than the draft community. But if he's there in the fourth, I'm going to take him. So I've got a will and I've got a McFadden in my draft class. And I love that. I feel great about that, Kevin.
1: <laughs> Those were the two boxes we needed to check. Uh, and I'm glad yeah. we were able to do that. That's the most important thing. This was really thing. all
0: just about me and not about the Falcons at all. It's so about So I me. did it. Congratulations <laughs> to me. Great um, work. Great work there. You great work there. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, no, that that is a good one. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and. You know, whether it's Jordan McFadden. I know uh Chandler Zavala is someone that they really like, reportedly. Um, and you know, he has Zavala's tape is is really good. He does have mm-hmm. some sort of back injury. Um, and that I guess has scared off some scouts, uh, scared off some teams potentially. That's why you don't see him typically going higher. Yeah, but, mocked. yeah. Um, I I do think like the look, they've got the Dwayne Ledford connection there, and I think in the fourth round. He's he's a day two talent. So if you want to take a shot and see, you know, if you don't get Skaronski or whatever early or another guy mm-hmm. earlier, like you could, you know, hey, the fourth round, maybe you do have some medical, you know, flags. But look, in the fourth round, we're not really risking a lot, uh, and maybe it's not as big of a deal as as people think. And, and we're going to bring you in because they've got that connection, and then they they know what they can get out of Zavala. So, um, I think Jordan McFadden is another one that also makes a lot of sense as a potential, you know, guard tackle swing guy um yep yeah uh for me i'm gonna go running back here because i didn't get you know my beloved Bijan early um and we're gonna go with a name that hasn't been sent to the falcons as much as i think it should be uh taiji spears from tulane um i love Interesting, okay this guy if you haven't watched taiji spears tape get you some popcorn you know and and go sit down and just enjoy because this tape is so fun uh, one of the most dynamic players in college football. Not a high volume receiver, but at the Senior Bowl, we saw him just crush it as a receiver. And and it's not. A, I don't have any concerns about that. He managed to come in above 200 pounds, um, which is big for his projection. Uh, and this man is just really good. He would be a really great compliment to Tyler Algier. He doesn't shy away from contact, but he's more of that lightning to the thunder guy. Uh, super yep. elusive. Um, you know, doesn't have the size that Bijan has, doesn't have that sort of crazy athletic ceiling elusiveness, doesn't have, you know, as good a vision and decisiveness, but, uh, is I think a similar dynamic presence in the way that he runs the football uh, and you don't have to spend, you know, number eight. So the, you, you, you have, you're you not going to get Bijan in the fourth round, but you could get a player that gives you some of those same things and does give you a good compliment that you that you need for Tyler Algier. So J Spears is a guy that I love. I, I was worried for a long time that he would be going on day two and I still think there's a chance of that, but it lately, it seems like he's settled back into that fourth round range where I think they're looking for a running back. And I think that yeah. could be, could be perfect for the Falcons there.
0: I love it. Um, I think that, you know, the, I was talking with, uh, Mike Rothstein on, on Believe in Falcons uh, a couple of weeks ago. And he, we were talking a little bit more about the defense, but I have to think holistically, like he brought up the bills as one of the teams that the Falcons are kind of looking at as, as a way to do it right and create for sustainable success. And uh, Sharp reminds me a lot of James Cook and kind of the way that he fits into the Bills offense and in that type of utility role where he is that lightning to the thunder that you mentioned. And yeah, you get him the ball out in space or on these quick screens or, you know, just hit it to him and let him run behind Caleb McGarry and make one cut and then boom, he's in the hole and, and you hope that he's gone. I think that that is an element to this offense that the Falcons can add. It's kind of why I liked Mingo, you know, like that just anything could happen on any given play type of randomness because of the athletic potential is something that really only Cordero Patterson has proven to have for this offense. And again, as much as I love him, like he's not going to be here forever. So I, I like adding a lot of players um, with that component to their game. And to me, that's, that's absolutely a touch So I am also in your same mindset because I have a running back with my yeah. second uh, fourth round pick and it is, one from right down the road and for a lot of the same reasons, it's it's Kenny McIntosh, um, who I know we talked about earlier, I believe, with uh, with Eric on Falcon yeah, yeah. Live. And I think that he brings that pass-catching element. I know he's not as electric of a, a playmaker as, you know, a sharp would be, but I think that he brings a lot of the competitive mindset, the mentality of, like, I'm going to finish gaining positive yardage. He is a patient runner. That's one of the things that I think, Georgia really valued about him even though there were some more athletically gifted players in the program similar with quarterback like Kirby Smart has said like or has shown that if you do the things we ask of you at a high level you will win or you will play and we will win because you're going to put us in a position to succeed not because you're overwhelmingly physically amazing it's because you do the little things at a very high level and I think that Arthur Smith has some similar values in this offense. And for that reason, if you say, Kenny, trust Chris Lindstrom, trust Kayla McGarry, run, squeeze that hole, find it, and hit it, he'll do that, and he'll do it over and over and over again. And that is kind of what Tyler Algier does. And add to that the ability to be a pass catching back and come in on third downs and still make the pass protection and and things like that. That is why I think Kenny McIntosh, who probably is, is there, I think in, in the fourth round, uh, I know a lot of Georgia fans or, or people who only watch the biggest games in college football have certainly seen a lot of Kenny McIntosh. And so they may be like, well, it wouldn't he be a third round pick or you should go higher. I, I think that he'll be there kind of in the fourth round because there's a lot of running backs who fit this profile and it's a little bit of a pick your poison, uh, type of deal. But I think the Falcons, him being from down the road, them having that type of relationship, um, he checks a lot of boxes, I think, for them.
1: Yeah, no, that that's another good one. Uh, I think Kenny McIntosh, very polished player. Again, doesn't yep. have the, the craziest athletic ceiling. Really, I think with him it was just like the forty was kind of meh. Yeah, it was but p- like pretty
0: four six. Yeah. I mean that's like four not, six it's two, great. I think was the combine. His overall, yeah.
1: and I think he came in with like a four like a four point oh nine RAS or something like that. Well, that's exactly what it was. So I just pulled it up, but, um, <laughs> you know, and the agility grade, he didn't test out there well, but like on tape, there's no problems with his agility. Um, so I, I wonder if he just didn't right. have a great day. Um, but like the most overrated metric for running backs is the 40. Like, it's just not that correlated to running back success compared to any other position. It just really like, it, would it be nice to have four or five speed? Sure. Would it be nice and be faster? Obviously, yes, but it's not as big a deal as, as people like to make it out to be.
0: Um uh, Frank Gore played for two hundred years. Like it it's it's not about the 40s. Yes.
1: <laughs> I don't care if, you know, look at Dre Archer. Uh four two six didn't have vision, didn't have contact balance. And look look at how much he did in the NFL with that crazy speed. It's running back is all about vision, it's all about decisiveness, it's about contact balance and athleticism. Yep. But if you don't have vision, you're not going to, and you don't, you know, you can get away with some things, right? If you don't have great contact balance, but you're very, you have good good vision, good elusiveness, good, you know, sort of decision-making, you can be very productive. But if you, you know, you can either have good vision or good contact balance. If you don't have either, you're going to have a bad time because you're going to be running into guys if you don't have the vision. So um, McIntosh, I think, is is a little bit underrated now. I think he's definitely a, a day two caliber guy. Um, so uh, if he's still around in the fourth round, I think they would definitely consider him because he does have that better size too. Like he's over six yeah. foot. Um, I know he came into the combine like in the low two hundreds, but I think he probably played in like the two fifteen, two ten range. So wouldn't be surprised if he gets back up into that area. Um, well, I I know you need to take off so I can deliver my final guy separately if if you so desire.
0: Well, just tell me who it is.
1: Uh, we're gonna go with an edge rusher here. Uh, if you can't get Tyree Wilson at 8, you could get Tyree Wilson light at 113. <laughs> Tavius Robinson from Mississippi, for Ole Miss, senior bowl guy, 6'6", 257. Yep. Not quite as long, right? Only 34-inch arms, not, you know, 35-and-a-half-inch arms. Uh, not quite as big. not qu- Probably not as athletic, especially in terms of his agility. But otherwise still explosive still good length still strong uh th- you know Robinson does need a lot more work as a run defender but that's why he's here in the fourth round uh so if they're looking for that big end but they don't want to spend a top 10 pick or a, a day two pick Tavius Robinson I think makes a ton of sense for them
0: yeah I think that right this this type of pick you're getting a project kind of anyway you're go you're either getting somebody with athletic upside and unproven or Uh, Skills that need better refinement, or you're getting somebody who was just like uber productive at the college level, but just doesn't have the athletic upside to really be interesting to NFL teams. And Robinson is the former to me. Like, he definitely has some project uh, traits to him that you need to continue to develop before you really trust him in kind of an expanded role. But the Falcons, as you mentioned, like, they don't need anybody in a huge role. They have so many guys that they're going to really just have these little bite-sized roles for a lot of them. And you go in and you execute your specialist part at a very high level. And then you're coming off we're getting somebody else back in. And it's going to be such a cool mix and match that you have room for an, a developmental upside guy, because his piece of the pie can be really manageable early on. And then as he grows and develops, hopefully that role continues to expand so robinson yeah if if we're looking at the mock drafts kind of in totality he fits something that you've not yet really added and i think that that i love that
1: yeah because we see you know edge go early every time yeah it's first round it's second round day three they've added a lot of defensive linemen on day three with this regime you got taekwon graham for sure Um, so i think that is an underrated place they could look to add if they don't hit it early
0: for sure all right, Kevin, I gotta, I gotta run. Yes. Um, but this was so much fun, dude.
1: Absolutely appreciate you coming on and delivering your takes. I'm sure we will hear a lot more from Will uh, going forward on this program, and he'll be hearing from me a lot on his program. And you know, we won't be able to get away from each other anymore. <laughs> so, uh, again, well, thanks yeah, for your dude. time. Yeah, appreciate Looking you. Looking
0: forward to it. I'm sure we're gonna do some stuff uh, during draft week. If not, we'll do something right after the draft. But as always, you know, we'll be, we'll be around.
1: Yep, we will, guys. Thanks, thanks again, Will. Thanks, Kevin. Bye. All right, folks. Well, there you have it. Those are our uh, top four picks. We're, we're not going to do the seventh round. You know, it, it, who's who can predict the seventh round, right? I, I, it's a fool's errand, but you guys can definitely go check out all my mock drafts and things like that if you're looking for some, some potential seventh rounders. You know, we could look at fullback, right? Uh, they could look to add a wide receiver there. There's always good receivers that fall linebacker depth, uh, that sort of thing. They've, they've sniffed around a lot of like late round tack like offensive tackles too. Um maybe a nose tackle if somebody they like falls there and they want to have insurance for like a Robert Cooper. But, you know, I, I using my head, I can't really tell you who it's going to be uh, other than just listing off some potential some potential options there. Yeah. Um, before we sign off, though, do want to remind folks to like and subscribe uh, on YouTube if you're watching the show. There, really appreciate that. If you don't mind giving us uh, that five star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, if you listen on multiple platforms, you can leave multiple reviews. That'd be great too. That that really helps the show grow. It helps uh, the analytics in, in some way. Helps that algorithm. Um, you know, I I don't claim to understand the algorithm. I I'm just beholden to it. Like like all like all of us are apparently. But uh, one more thing before we do take off, uh, want to Let everyone know about our special NFL Draft Party uh, giveaway that's going to be happening during the 2023 NFL Draft. In case you guys don't know, we're going to be live all three days of the 2023 NFL Draft. Uh, And we're going to be giving away some NFL shop gift cards. So on day one, uh, we're going to be giving away a $50 card. Same thing on day two, and then on day three, we'll have a $50 card as well as a Patron exclusive giveaway, which is another $50 card. Uh, To enter those giveaways, you just need to uh, subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Uh, Please also, you know, leave a five-star review. It doesn't have to be—don't have to do that, uh, but, you know, we'd appreciate that if you would. (laughs) Um, And then uh, join the Discord server as well, the link to which is in the show description um, and then you'll just need to be here for the actual giveaway to join the giveaway, and then uh, still in the chat when we announce the winner, so we can get in contact and make sure we have the right Discord name and all that stuff. And if you're a patron, all you have to do is be subscribed to the Patreon, which is patreon.com/falcoholiclive, uh, and we will randomly determine that uh, on day three as well. So ever, so in case people want to you know join join Patreon before uh join you know on the first couple days we will be giving that away during the day three show as well but you don't have to enter anything specifically just be signed up on patreon um so yeah guys uh really appreciate everyone for joining both uh myself and Will mcfadden for this two-part mock draft i think this was another fun one uh you have you can look forward to of course more mock drafts for myself we're not done yet with the mock drafts i know probably can't possibly get too many mock drafts here in the next week uh, as we're getting closer and closer to the real NFL draft Uh, on Monday we will have uh, I believe my final mock draft coming out and then we will be doing our final live mock draft on Falcoholic live on Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern and like I said Our draft party will be all three days. we will be starting at 7.30 on Thursday. So we'll see you guys there uh, for what's going to be a really, really fun night. Looking forward to it. Uh, This is going to be a great draft. It's going to be a fun one, as always. Uh, I'm really excited to to share uh, all that with you guys. We really appreciate you here on the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. Once again, I'm Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin. We will see you next time. Have a great day, folks. And uh, before I forget, today's show is prevented. Presented by Bet Online. So there you go. Check that box. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting. I'm still getting used to it, guys. Uh, so you know, appreciate uh, Bet Online. Appreciate uh, Believe for uh, set me up with that. But again, thanks, guys. Have a great day. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks.